Chapter Seventeen of the Phantom Town Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Phantom Town Mystery by Carol Norton. Chapter Seventeen A Wooden Doll. The girls, with the lantern Jerry had given them, tiptoed through the darkened hall to their bedroom. Mary placed the lantern on the table, and, after having kissed the little wooden doll good-night, she put it to bed on a cushioned chair. She smiled wistfully up at Dora. "'What is there about even a poor, forlorn, homely wooden doll that stirs in one's heart a sort of mother-love?' "'I guess you've answered your own question,' Dora replied in her matter-of-fact tone. "'I never felt that way about dolls. In fact, I never owned one after the cradle age. Then, fearing that Mary would think that she was critical of her sentiment, she hurried on to say, I always wanted tomboy noisy toys that I could romp around with. Then, gazing lovingly at Mary, she added, Some day you'll make a wonderful mother. I hope you'll want to name one of your little girls after me. How would Dorabel do? Fine! Mary smiled her approval of the name. There must be four girls, so that the oldest may have my mother's name, and the other three be called Dorabel, Patsy, and Polly. What's more, I hope each one will grow up to be just like her name mother, if there is any such thing." A few moments later, when they were nestled in the soft bed, Dora asked in a low voice, "'What kind of a man would you like to marry?' Mary's thoughts had again wandered back to Little Bodle and so she replied indifferently, "'Oh, I don't know. I've never thought that far. I do want a home and children some day, of course. But first, for a long time, I hope, I'm going to keep house for Daddy.' Dora was more than ever convinced that Mary thought of the cowboy merely as the big brother, which so frequently she called him. However, before entirely giving up, she asked, "'If you have little boys, what will you name them?' Mary laughed, not at all suspecting her friend's real reason for all the questioning. "'That's an easy one to answer,' she said artlessly. "'The oldest, of course, will be named after Dad. The other two, if—why, Dick and Jerry will do as well as any, and yet—she paused and seemed to think a bit. Then merrily she said, "'Dora, let's postpone all this christening for ten years at least. The fond father of the brood may want to have a finger in the pie.' Dora thought, Mary's voice sounds amused. Maybe she's wise to my scheming. I'd better soft-pedal it, if I'm ever going to get at the truth. Aloud she said with elaborate indifference, yawning to add to the effect, Oh, well, it, it really doesn't matter. After all, I had quite forgotten our agreement to both remain old maids, me to teach school and you to keep house for me. Again she yawned, saying sleepily, "'Good night, and pleasant dreams.' It was daybreak when the girls woke up. Already there were sounds of activity within and without. Barnyard fowls were clamoring, each in its own way, for the breakfast which Dick was carrying to them. Jerry, in the cow-corral, was milking under difficulties as a long-legged calf was noisily demanding a share. From the kitchen came faintly the clatter of dishes, a sizzling sound, and a most appetizing fragrance of coffee, 
bacon, and frying potatoes. "'Let's get up and surprise the boys,' Mary whispered. This they did, and were in time to help pleased Mrs. Newcomb carry in the hot viands. Jerry and Dick welcomed them with delighted grins, and Mr. Newcomb gave them each a fatherly pat as he passed. "'How will you girls spend the morning?' Jerry inquired. "'Dick and I have branding to do, and I reckon you wouldn't care to spectate, as an old cowboy we once had used to say.' Mary shuddered. "'I certainly do not,' she declared. "'I hope branding doesn't hurt the poor calf as much as it would hurt me to watch it. The thing that gets me—' Dick, still a tenderfoot, commented is the smell of burning hair and flesh. I can't get used to it." Then, glancing half-apologetically toward Mrs. Newcomb, he said, "'Not a very nice breakfast subject, is it?' Placidly that good woman replied, "'On a ranch one gets used to unappetizing subjects. Sort of like nurses do in hospitals, I suppose. During meals is about all the time cowmen have to talk over what they've been doing, and make plans.' "'You haven't told us yet what you'd like to do this morning,' Jerry said, as he glanced fondly at the curly sun-gold head close to his shoulder. Mary replied with a quick eager glance at the older woman, "'Aunt Molly, can't you make use of two very capable young women? We can sweep and dust and—' "'No need to,' was the laughing reply. "'Yesterday was clean-up day.' "'I can do some wicked churning,' Dora assured their hostess. No sour cream ready, dearie." Then, realizing that the girls truly wished to be of assistance, Mrs. Newcomb turned brightly toward her son. "'Jerry, I wish you'd saddle a couple of horses before you go. I'd like to send a parcel over to Etta Dooley. What's more, I'd like Mary and Dora to meet Etta. She's about your age, dear.' She had turned toward Mary. "'A fine girl, we think, but a mighty lonesome one, yet never a word of complaint. She has four to cook for, five counting herself, and beside that there's the patching and the cleaning. Then in between times she's studying to try to pass the Douglas High School examinations, hoping some day to be a teacher. You'll both like Etta. Don't you think they will, Jerry?" "'Why, I reckon she's likable,' the cowboy said indifferently. He was thinking how much more enthusiasm he could have put into that reply if his mother had asked, "'Etta will like Mary, won't she, Jerry?' Rising, he smiled down at the girl of whom he was thinking. "'I'll go and saddle Dusky for you,' he told her. "'She's as easy riding as a rocking-horse, and as pretty a creature as we ever had on Bar N.' When the boys were gone, the girls insisted on washing the breakfast dishes. Then they made their beds. As they expected, they found the saddle ponies waiting for them near the side door. Mrs. Newcomb gave Mary a flat, soft parcel. "'Slip it over your saddle-horn, dear,' she suggested, "'and tell Etta that the flannel in the parcel is for her to make into nighties for Baby Bess.'" Dusky was as beautiful a horse as Jerry had said. Graceful, slender-limbed, with a coat of soft gray-black velvet, the color of dusk. Dora's mount was named Old Reliable. Mrs. Newcomb smoothed its near flank lovingly. "'I used to ride this one all over the range.' and even into town, when we were both younger," she told them. The girls cantered leisurely down the cottonwood-shaded lane, and then turned, not toward the right which led to the highway, but toward the left on a rough canyon road that ascended gradually up a low tree-covered mountain. 
Brambly bushes grew along the trail, showing that the ground was not entirely dry. A curve in the road revealed the reason. A wide, stony creek-bed was ahead of them, and in the middle of it was a crystal-clear, rushing stream. The horses waded through the water spatteringly. Old Reliable seemed not to notice the little whirlpools at his feet, but Dusky put back his ears and did a bit of side-stepping. Mary, unafraid, spoke gently and patted his glossy neck. With a graceful leap the bank was reached. It was a steep scramble for both horses. Loose rock rattled down to the brook-bed. When they were on the rutty, climbing road again, Dora laughingly remarked, "'Dusky already knows the voice of his mistress.' If there was a hidden meaning in Dora's remark, Mary did not notice it, for what she said was, "'Dora, who would ever expect a cowboy to be poetic? But Jerry surely was, when he named this horse, don't you think so?' "'Yeah,' Dora replied inelegantly. To herself she thought, "'That may be a hopeful sign, thinking Jerry is a poet in cowboy guise.' "'It's lovely up this canyon road, isn't it?' All unconsciously Mary was gazing about her, contentedly drinking in the beauty of the cool, shadowy, rocky places on either side. Aspen, ash, and cottonwood trees grew tall, their long roots drawing moisture from the tumbling brook. Half a mile up the canyon there was a clearing, and in it stood a very old log hut, with adobe-filled cracks. A lean-to on one side had recently been put up. In a small fenced-in yard were a dozen hens, and down nearer the brook was a garden patch. Two small red-headed boys, in overalls, were busily weeding. Near them, on a grassy plot, a spotted cow was tethered. Back of the house, hanging on a line, was a rather nondescript wash, but nevertheless it was clean. The front door stood open, but no one was in sight. Mary and Dora, leaving the road, turned their horses toward the small house. "'I feel sort of queer,' Mary said, "'sort of storybookish coming to call on a strange girl in this romantic canyon, and—' "'Shh!' Dora warned. "'Someone's coming to the door.'" End of chapter 17 Recording by Bill Borst